Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Tuesday, November 15th, and it's getting close to the fantasy trade deadline in most leagues. So people will be absolutely panicking uh, about their teams. They'll be looking at it. There's going to be a lot of tinkering this week. So perfect timing for the king of the Justin Fields fan club. That's right. No, no, like waiver wire royalty titles. We're just going to give you what you truly deserve. Andy Barron's. It's the king of the Justin Fields fan club. You get to sit the throne. You get to wear um, the robe, the cape. Uh, you get to wear the crown. Enjoy it. Love it. Live it. Andy, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's I didn't. You guys have already talked about it on previous pods, but it's just a perfect fantasy storm for the Bears right now. Even the like, even the pick six was so well timed. Bears are going to give up a million points. They're going to score a million points. And it all comes down to Justin Fields being super fun. Uh, this has been great. Yeah. It's uh, a good time to be a, a Bears fan. Not not that they're winning. Not that I care that they're not winning because they're putting up 30 a game. And I, I have no experience cheering for Bears teams that score 30 a game. Well, and you're sort of... Um... You're the elev you, you you see yourself as like the elevated fan. You've reached a different uh plane of nirvana that you can see the bigger picture, right? You know, I'm I'm almost I'm I'm like half half mocking you, but half I uh, have half I have being cheered serious. for plenty of like nine win, ten win Bears teams that are clearly not going anywhere in the postseason. <laughs> like I've had that. I'm I'm ready to have like the you know meteoric rise of the ascending young star on my team. I want that moment. Like I want. I want this year and next year and like the development of a real quarterback, which the franchise in its hundred year history hasn't necessarily had. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready for that experience, not just the oh, wow, hope we can hope hope we can win 10 games and lose in the divisional round. You know, I've I've lived that. Yeah, if you got to dip below 500 to maybe be that type of team next year again, you've reached a higher plane of nirvana than the other folks out there. Andy, <laughs> you can live in the inner peace 
uh, of knowing that the future might bring great things, even if your team loses. Uh, so that's great. Great for you. Uh, shout out to you, Andy. I mean, what a guy. Let's move into some news here before we get into the meat of the show. We have a few things to sort of update. Uh, we, we talked about a lot of these injury based news items last night with Scott, but I always like to kind of unpack them a little bit further here with you, Andy, and also just let I me mean, also give literal updates on what we know now, which is usually more than Sunday. For example, NFL Network's Ian Rapport reports that Cooper Cup is, quote, expected to miss some time after suffering an ankle injury in Week 10 against the Cardinals. Uh, Jordan Rodriguez reported from The Athletic that he avoided the worst-case scenario, which um, I believe last night, you know, we said that Edwin Porras said the worst-case scenario is a fractured ankle, the best-case scenario is a high ankle sprain, and it's like, oh, oh, great, love to hear that the best-case scenario would be a high <laughs> ankle sprain, which we yeah. all agree can be a season killer for wide receivers. I, I can think of no better team, Andy, to be on the no-fly zone than the Los Angeles Rams minus Cooper Cup. Yeah, um, this is not a situation where, and I, I've already had a radio call today where somebody was trying to make me say that somebody else could be the big winner from Cooper Cup's injury. And there's just like, there's just no, no winner here. Like, this isn't like, you know, rocket emoji. Uh, uh, tied, oh boy, it's Higby season. Oh boy, it's Allen Robinson. Ben like, Skoranek, nobody, let's go. <laughs> yeah, like nobody's winning here. You just, you, you extracted um, for some period of weeks uh, one of the absolute difference makers in the NFL from your roster. And like that just goes away. Like it's, it's not like Cooper Cup isn't somebody whose production just gets distributed evenly everywhere and the team rolls on. The juggernaut Rams roll on. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of gone. So yeah. there are now officially no Rams who I, I view as, as must starts or even must rosters. And quite literally, I, I think there's a chance the Cooper Cup season could be done, even if he yeah. you know, misses four weeks or something like that. Because, again, four weeks of this offense without Cooper Cup, how many points are they going to score in those four weeks? I mean, 30 total? And then by that point, why bring him back at all to a team that's going nowhere fast? Yeah. So you mentioned at the top that obviously we have trade deadlines coming up in fantasy leagues. Like this is the sort of flyer that you take if, let's say the Cooper Cup team in your league is like a is like a five win fantasy roster and you happen to be a seven win team that is comfortably in playoff position like I don't know, this this is where you make your low ball offers right like you try to yeah you try to scoop up not at, like middle of the road you know you don't want to scoop up like wide receiver two sort of talents you want like I don't know, take a flyer with Cooper Cup take a shot with Jonathan Taylor take a shot with like whoever you think might actually uh you know erupt late in the season because there is also the possibility of course the cup comes back um and is Cooper Cup again uh for this offense at the end of the season which would be again absolute difference maker um but there are probably a bunch of five win teams out there right now that had Cooper Cup have Cooper Cup and like gotta win like they don't they don't have time they can't really manage around very well a, a multi-week injury to their first round pick and would be certainly willing to listen to like a two to one offer, two for one offer. Yeah. And and again, it's just, I, I really wonder when the Rams would consider shutting Cooper cup down. You know, this is the second time they've got like, he's gotten injured, right? This is just, just happened a couple of weeks ago where they left him in too long against the 49ers and he gets injured there. You know, it's just, it's one of those things at this point. And then how long um, until we look at a, <laughs> I don't know how long until then, like when is Matt Stafford going to get shut down? I, I don't know. Yeah. There's just too many, way too many questions with the LA Rams at this point um, to consider getting a lot of con being very confident in anybody on this roster. And then Cooper, and again, Cooper cup included when he gets back, I, I think we're at that point of the season with the Rams. 
All right, this next one's interesting. ESPN's Adam Schefter surprisingly reports that Leonard Fournette, who has a hit pointer, is not expected to miss any games. Uh, of course, the Bucks just played in Munich. They have a bye week. Uh, Leonard Fournette has his passport situation sorted out, so he gets to come <laughs> back with the team, thankfully. Um, but, you know, Andy, I, I know Rashad White is in your running back waiver uh, section here. We've talked about Rashad White a ton this year. You know, I was expecting this to be like empty the clip for Rashad White, uh, Leonard Fournette's going to miss multiple weeks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we can just talk about Rashad White here in this Leonard Fournette little bit. Um, but th- I, I, does this change like the the kind of the calculation on Rashad White at all that Leonard Fournette might be back? Because, of course, White was sort of eating into Leonard Fournette's role anyways. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, White. Um, not like, not that starting is necessarily super meaningful in the NFL, right? It's not baseball. Um, you can come in and out of a game. Um, but he did get the start against Seattle for what it's worth. It was his first start of the season. Um, and he was playing a lot. Uh, it's, it's, and he's obviously, he's been an emerging force in that, in that backfield for a little while. And Fournette had been relatively disappointing. Fournette was fine against Seattle. Um, White was great against Seattle. And I like, I'd I'd written the Rashad White blurb before we started taping uh, FFL. Basically, I was already excited about it. I mean, I've been excited about him all season. He was one of my favorite prospects in the class. Um, and I and I'd written the blurb, and I was just waiting to plug in his uh, his end of game stats, which of course were a little bit inflated because Fournette checks out. I mean, I think he's got a rest of season role as more than just a caddy, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I think that was already happening against Seattle. So I actually feel like this is already a situation. And listen, if you're if you're that five-win team that I was talking about, you're a four-win team just trying to scrap and make the playoffs and you have a need at running back. Yeah, I think White is still one of those guys where you're just, you know, you're not, there's no reason for you to save um, like budget at this point, right? You gotta, you gotta throw it at the players who are best positioned to help you win. And if what you need is a running back, White is one of those. I think there's a pretty, among the widely available running backs this week, I think there's a pretty clear top tier of three. And I'd probably empty the wallet on any of them. And, and White is still, White is still in that. Like I, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that Fournette was going to be down for a month or for the rest of the season. Obviously it's a really well time to buy. I think White's still in a great situation. It's not going to surprise me if he's playing 50% of the snaps the rest of the way. And uh, certainly not going to surprise me if he's the more valuable back the rest of the way. I really don't think there's a chance that he ices Leonard Fournette out of the mix completely, but I do think he can be the 1A to the 1B, pretty much like you just said, uh, in this backfield. Now, I will ask you a couple of questions because I've seen this argument out there. Like, I, I know J.J. Zacharyson tweeted out about, you know, Rashad White, like, taking the lead role in this backfield. Um, and there are some dudes, like, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe uh, Le- Leonard Fournette managers are just really insecure. Um, but, like, there are some dudes out there like, no, no, what happened? What happened was Leonard Fournette almost <laughs> missed this game because of the passport thing. Um, like, I, I joked about it earlier, but Leonard Fournette uh, had to get a replacement passport, and it was delayed in the mail because of weather, which basically, like, left the Bucks kind of up in the air, like, until the 11th hour, whether he was even going to be able to make the trip to Germany, whether he was ever going to be able to be there. Um, so... Do you give any credence to like, oh, Rashad White started, had a bigger role because of that? Or is that just like a conspiracy theory that's like, you know, leaving the Leonard Fournette managers something to hold on to during bye week? Uh, no, I think I think that's pretty ridiculous. The The Bucks know how to plug in Leonard Fournette and use him. I don't I don't you know, I don't think that yeah, plans right. formed in the few hours before their flight took off that they couldn't possibly pivot away from. I mean, I, like 
and maybe I'm maybe I'm too enthusiastic about White. That is that is entirely well, Fournette possible. Fournette was pissed but, about like, White eating into his role the week before, right? Against the Panthers. Like, yeah. yeah, he's been out there tweeting. Like if you about haven't that. seen this coming, then you're then you're just you're uh, sort of deliberately and weirdly turning a blind eye to a thing that is clearly happening. Um, it doesn't mean that Rashad White is necessarily going to be the guy who gets, you know, 60 percent, 65 percent of the snaps. But he is clearly going to play and he has clearly carved out a role. And he's coming off a great game. Like whether that great game happened because Fournette missed some time or not, like Rashad White threw a stiff arm that sent a guy flying like five yards. Like he was really, he was really fun. That was a, that was a really fun game. Super productive, 105 rushing yards. Like you can't, that that doesn't go away. Like he's going to be a real part of this backfield from this point forward. So no, I don't, I don't think that, uh, uh, plans were especially like NFL game plans with a with a veteran player like Leonard Fournette and a veteran laden team like the Bucks like no you could have pivoted away from Rashad White if you wanted to yeah and by the way um Leonard Fournette managers if you're offended by what I just said I want you to know that I am among you okay one of my (laughs) one of my very best fantasy teams has Cooper Cup L from what I just said earlier, like I'm thinking about is Christian Watson going to be able to save my season and that team has Leonard Fournette. So I'm tilting just like you. Uh, So I'm trying to get Andy to say, yeah, don't worry. It was just a passport issue like this. We can blame this on the U.S. government, actually, and the weather, the hurricanes and things like that. But no, he's giving me a dose of reality here, which is that Rashad White might be coming up and taking a little bit of this job anyways. Um, But yeah, I think this is going to be like a two back situation. You know, Fournette just hasn't played uh, all that well this year, at least or he hasn't been efficient from a rushing perspective he has been good as a pass catcher we'll see if Rashad White like by the way like Leonard Fournette could then reverse things here and become the thorn in Rashad White's side because White despite having sure. a lot of juice and like you know theoretical pass catching upside there is a good chance that like he doesn't take the passing down role from Leonard Fournette and Fournette becomes that guy in the offense yeah, we we talk about this all the time. Um, there are very few teams that are just trying to whittle down their backfields to one guy, right? Um, very few so teams. you're you're still going to be annoyed, like one way or one way or the other. Where you're so whether you're somebody who thinks that Rashad White should be seeing, you know, seventy percent of the touches, or whether you're somebody who thinks that Leonard Fournette is, uh, y- you know, a, a back worthy of of a total featured role, like. But the Bucks are like most teams, um, not necessarily interested in feeding somebody. 380 touches over the course of a season they're perfectly happy to use uh two backs with complementary skill sets yeah that looks like the way it's gonna go uh following his mri the broncos got some good news on jerry judy it's a mild ankle injury sources say his status for the week has not yet been determined um but these are promising results according to nfl network's ian Rapport. um i mean look the broncos can't afford to be losing uh any players okay <laughs> no <laughs> No, they definitely can't. It's also not clear that they can like support two viable fantasy receivers in the same week anyway. Oh, um, I, I think it's clear, Andy. I, I, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's good news for Jerry Judy. It's a it's a mess of an offense. It's an absolute mess of an offense. Um, Dulcich, Greg Dulcich finally had his first game that was a little bit of a face plant after I feel like I hyped him on I don't know how many different platforms. So sorry about that. Yeah, it just does not like this is a this is a just a, a numbingly uh, uninteresting offense at this point. And uh, but hey, good, good for Judy. Judy, definitely not carrying you to a fantasy title. 
No, and Cortland Sutton's definitely not either. Guy scored one touchdown no. all year, but he would probably be he would he would he certainly benefited earlier in the season, I think, more than the Sutton Bros wanted to admit from Judy being out. Um, so yeah, it would be complicated for Sutton if if Judy returns. Last piece of news item here: uh, Panthers head coach Steve Wilkes reports that PJ Walker is out for Week 11 against the Ravens. That means that Baker Mayfield is back in our lives. Andy, I am hesitant to talk about DJ Moore on this podcast because um, I went to. You know, my sister's baby. That's why I'm in Virginia right now. We went for my sister's baby shower. I was like a you know joint thing, big big celebration. Um, so I was met with a wave of uh, emotion and positivity for the uh, upcoming birth of my niece. Shout out to Summer. We're all very excited. But I was also met with an absolute storm of DJ Moore hate directed at me. And I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, DJ Moore is not like one of my guys, okay? Uh, you know, let's, let's correct the record. Like, I like DJ Moore. Everybody likes DJ Moore, but I've even said, like, I've even questioned his ceiling as a wide receiver. My buddy Ryan says, then replies to me, but bro, I listen to your podcast. DJ Moore is one of your guys. And I'm like, you know what? I think we've just talked about DJ Moore way too much on this damn show because he's been such a tilting draft pick. So I'm hesitant to talk about this situation at all, but I guess we got to address it. Good news, bad news for DJ Moore uh, that, that the damn Panthers are going back to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I feel um, like maybe you should you should um, you should maintain a list of your guys somewhere like an official list of your guys. And if somebody's going to criticize you for your dedication to one of those guys, that the name better damn sure be on the list, right? Like it's. I think that's a good the, call. I think yeah. that's a good call. <laughs> like Olave's on the list, and Terry McLaurin's on the list, and there are certainly a handful. Diggs is on the. There's a handful of guys on the list. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I brought when when the DJ Moore thing came up, I was like, guys, Allen Robinson is sitting right there. <laughs> 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 Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> you don't need to give me crap about DJ Moore, okay? All right. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Um, this situation is terrible. I'm probably the only person who's really like, I'm beside myself that we're not going to get PJ Walker this week because I'd been holding him in Charles Robinson's stupid 20 team league um, so that I could so that I could start him in week 11 with like Tua on a bye. And this is just a disaster for me because there's obviously no quarterbacks available. I don't know what I'm going to do. Baker Mayfield is already rostered by somebody, um, which is it tells you how ridiculous that league is. Um, May, Mayfield is uh, surely bad for everybody. It wasn't any good for more <laughs> like earlier in the season. Um, like and, and it's not like PJ Walker was like a fix for for DJ Moore either. Um, they connected on one of the great passes of the 2022 season but other than that it's not it's not like dj moore has been carrying you but it's really unfortunate um and the the fact that this team is just a weekly conversation involving pj walker and sam darnold and baker mayfield is one of the saddest aspects of this entire year and weirdly you know we've talked a ton on the waiver show about like why do you stash backup running backs in case the starter gets removed and then like the other guy turns into a league winner and this often stinks out loud but probably the best example of like holding backup running back insurance policy even though it came about in a weird way that the starter was removed not because everybody's you know waiting for the shoe to drop and Christian McCaffrey gets hurt well he actually ends up getting traded and then Donta Foreman takes over and I mean has legitimately been outright ridiculous in fantasy yeah. the last four weeks save for one game yeah uh foreman is the is the clearly startable piece of this offense um 
and more is like at this point he's like a brand name that you're probably trotting out there in a lot of leagues but by no means do i think he's uh by no means do i think he's somebody that you absolutely have to start i'm probably not going to rank him as a wide receiver three again this week right like it's just it's it's a it's a tough scene with baker mayfield at the controls really really is all right well i mentioned christian mccaffrey i mentioned um or you mentioned that teams are not really trying to whittle their backfield down to one guy good transition there a couple of good things we can move on from 49ers 22 transition yes it was i mean not really i i bungled it in a couple of different directions but anyways (laughs) 49ers 22 chargers 16 sunday night football recap andy I, i think we have to start on this christian mccaffrey um thing because my eyes could not be rolling into the back of my head harder at the christian mccaffrey discourse <laughs> and and i i want you to check me on this a little bit and if i'm like being a little bit too if i'm if i'm being too flippant to the cmc managers out there because if your biggest problem right now is cmc didn't dominate the touches for for the san francisco 49ers you don't have real problems okay you yeah. don't have real problems because, yeah, okay, look, Elijah Mitchell comes out there and handles 52% of the team rush attempts in the second half uh, for, like, he was kind of a little bit of a closer. He just had, I think he had more work than most people expected, but Elijah Mitchell's good at football. CMC still had a 21% target share. He had four goal line carries. Like, that's the money work, man. He was never going to, I think people just straight up Andy got spoiled by what we saw in that game against the Rams where Christian McCaffrey was the center of that offensive universe, but... This team just straight up has, and I've said this about the 49ers a lot, this team straight up has too many good players. Like, nobody is going to be satisfied on a weekly basis. Now, CMC, though, he's still a top three back, top two back in fantasy because he does have an outrageous weekly ceiling. But he still has a great weekly floor. And, like, I bet you this is the floor game for Christian McCaffrey. And he was still awesome in fantasy. So I think this is, like, people out there freaking out about this. It's is ridiculous. Am I wrong to feel that way? No, you're not wrong to feel that way. Um, but by, by the way, I watched this game from a bar with our mutual friend, Brad Evans. Uh, so you're going to have to excuse me if there are elements of the broadcast that I didn't catch or uh, <laughs> like totally fine. If I, if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't in a in a state that uh, uh, lent itself to, to careful analysis of this game, although I did watch all of it, obviously, uh, yeah, and like the bar was even kind of buzzing with frustration, I, I should say, over the fact that like, you know, the camera would linger on Christian McCaffrey's face on the sideline while Elijah Mitchell, uh, uh, for the first time in weeks, was was actually rolling. Um, McCaffrey finished the game with 18 touches, 20 opportunities, played two thirds of the snaps. Like, I don't know what you're looking for. Um but like, if that's your biggest, like the guy I just just scored a touchdown, if if that is the biggest problem that your fantasy roster is facing, then you're good, uh, and you're probably sailing into uh, into the semis, right? Like that is a really good situation. I'm I'm hung up on your point about this team having too many good players. Um, they definitely have too many good players for a team that averages 22 points a game. Like they hit dead on their scoring average for the <laughs> season. Um, they're giving us 22 points a game with. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And I realize they haven't had all any of these guys like all season perfectly healthy. Uh, and Mitchell, like this is a team loaded with stars um, that is playing slow, right? They're in the bottom third of the league in terms of like plays per game, seconds per play, all that. Um, they want to run the ball a lot. They're good at it. Um, 
This is a lot of playmakers to be producing basically uh, three touchdowns a game and no more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that, I think there's too many good players in this ecosystem. Like, if yes. this was Kansas City, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that offense, you know, even if it like if it was Buffalo with peak Josh Allen. Like, I don't think we're having this conversation where it's like, oh, all these guys cannot be satisfied. But it's still like we're back in the Jimmy Garoppolo years. Like we've known this since since like yeah. the mystique wore, wore away from the Trey Lance experience when he got hurt. And I think even a little bit like the the high upside case was probably not going to happen at least early on in the year anyways. But this just this just the deal like this offense is not going to support like a weekly fantasy start from all of these guys. Like somebody's going to be left out in the cold, by the way, in the passing game, like Ayuk has been the guy that's been really consistent over the last four weeks, right? Like he's gone over 80 yards in four straight games. Um, he was, he's kind of been the clear top pass catcher for a while on this team. He has 150 more yards than anyone, anyone else uh, on the team. Um, you know, he's four scores through the air. That's a team high. Like he had a one brutal drop uh, at the end in the end zone. Obviously, he gets tackled at the two. Like it was a tilting fantasy day, but he still got you eighty yards. Like, yeah. I mean, and obviously he's been the healthiest guy on the year, so I would want to like say that. But man, Ayuk is just so good, and like he would be. Like, that's the thing. Like, I wrote this in my care don't care recap column that like Ayuk is the guy who, whenever big name media outlets like list off the 49ers skill position, like oh Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, like Ayuk gets mentioned fourth if he gets mentioned at all, and those are the people <laughs> that you need to know like are not watching the games right now because Ayuk is that much better than his box score. But that's my own personal axe to grind. But yeah, I just that like that's the deal with this offense, man. Is that it's not going to have the ceiling that we wanted, you know, just because of. I don't know, just just because of the way it is, right? Like, now, I think, I just think with the CMC point, man, like, again, it's isn't it kind of good for CMC that Elijah Mitchell's involved? Like, do we really want him handling 78% of the team rush attempts, playing 80% of the snaps like he did in that Rams game on a week-by-week basis? Like, isn't that how Carolina grinded him into the dust and he had all of these injury problems? Like, you're still this feels a lot to me, Andy, like how people were like freaking out about Austin Eckler in the first three weeks while he still was getting a bunch of targets. Right, and, right. And, but CMC's getting goal line usage, and we obviously see how Eckler's season has panned out. I'm, I'm sure CMC will, will pan out the same way. Yeah, I like I can I can feel a little bit disappointed with the overall uh, uh, sort of offensive environment in San Francisco and still realize that like 18 to 20 touches might be sort of the highest and best use of, of Christian McCaffrey, right? Like I don't think the Panthers did him I mean, you know, they might have put him in the Hall of Fame with it and they gave him a great season and all. But like 403 touches or whatever it was in a year that was a totally lost season for the franchise um, may have ultimately done him no favors in terms of like longevity. Right. Um, Right. That's probably not the situation that the Niners need to be in. It's obviously it's not where you're rooting for if you've got Christian McCaffrey on a fantasy roster. But it's perfectly reasonable to think that Elijah Mitchell is going to play, I don't know, 25 percent, 33 percent of the snaps the rest of the way. He again, he was he wasn't actually on the field that often. It seemed like he was because um, he touched the ball nearly every time he was out there. Like he played right. 25 snaps. Um, handled 18 carries and saw two targets. So, like, if he was on the field, it was a pretty big tell, like, in terms of where the ball was going. Yeah, and and this is a matchup-based thing, too, because I think that the dam started to break a little bit in the second half with this rushing defense for the L.A. Chargers, and we'll talk about the Chargers here in just a second, but they weren't running the ball as well as I think 
I thought and many people thought they would early on in the game. But again, eventually they kept pounding at it and eventually the dam broke. And, you know, Elijah Mitchell had a great rushing performance. CMC from a rushing success rate standpoint in the second half had a great performance. That's just kind of where, like, again, I think it's a matchup thing. Like maybe we see Elijah Mitchell carry the ball 11 times next week. I think that's 100% plausible. But my point to all of this is, and I think there's just a disconnect between fantasy fans or, or even just NFL observers that it's like, oh, man, they trade all these draft picks. Like, why are they not going to like, why are they using someone else over CMC? Well, because they want CMC to be around when they're in the NFC championship. Right. Like, I just don't think it. it's this coaching malpractice or something that it's being made out to be like. They've found this really good player in Elijah Mitchell, who also, by the way, gets hurt all the time. So having these guys together, I think, can be a really good thing for the San Francisco 49ers. And it's really just not that bad for your fantasy team. So, like I said, I've seen people upset about it this morning, and it's just, like I said, my eyes couldn't be rolling into the back of my head any harder than it is over the (laughs) CMC stuff. Uh, Yeah, no, I fully agree. Again, like the workload was there. If we just told you going into the week that he's going to touch the ball 18 times and he's going to give you a touchdown, you're, you're probably not mad. No, just because you had to watch it, too. Like, by the way, also, if this was yeah. like a 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Eastern game, like nobody, <laughs> we're not time. Nobody cares. Because it's Sunday yep. night football, nobody cares. Um, all right, let's talk about the Chargers here, though. And, and my big takeaway from watching the Chargers last night, Andy, is that, like, I'm just starting to accept that this is, there's going to be an air of a, what could have been with this team all year. Um, and I think, I think I've been getting there for a while, and now I just think I'm officially there with the Chargers. And look, by the way, the Chargers can still be good. The Chargers can still go to the playoffs. The Chargers can still have a good season, but there's just going to be a part of me after all of these injuries that think like, man, what what this what could what could this team have done if not for all of the injuries? And it's the cluster injuries too, because like they've had obviously like JC Jackson's gotten hurt. They've had offensive line injuries, but it's the pass catcher injuries. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen missed this game again. Gerald Everett gets hurt in this game. Yeah. Um, the front seven, like they've lost Joey Bosa a long time ago. I don't know when he's going to come back. Then they get a bunch of these defensive tackle injuries in this game where they were sort of stopping the run kind of well early on. So that's just kind of how I I'm going to look at the 2022 Chargers and how I'm going to remember them. It feels like we may get a glimpse of what this team could be at the end of the season. And like, who knows? They could they could cling to a playoff spot. That's entirely possible. Like, theoretically, they get Mike Williams back. They get Keenan Allen back. Keenan Allen's been a purely theoretical, like hypothetical player all year, but they should get him back at some point. And when they do, I Mike Tirico seemed to think it was going to be either one or both next week. So we'll see. Oh. That's good to hear, because uh, I, I did see. Yeah, that you Keenan missed that Allen one. Dri- I, I don't know which, uh, what rum and coke you were on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it there, was, but. A, was it? Well, depending on when it was in the game, it could have been four or five. Who knows? Um, it was the but, it was uh, right after the game. It was like in the little recap of a game like, oh, this team expects to get Mike, Mike Williams and Keenan and or Keenan Allen. Uh, both. OK, well, then that was the week. bad tequila decision at the end of the night. That's what that <laughs> there was. You go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what that synced up with. Um, yeah, I, Keenan Allen dropped a, a, a hashtag be back soon on, on Twitter the other day for what it's worth. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, we might we like we might actually see what this offense is when they're not throwing to like Josh Palmer and some kick returners. Um, that's I mean, that's clearly a huge part of the problem for this for this team right now. There's no there's no way around it. Yeah, somebody was asking me this morning, like, what do I do with Justin Herbert? Like, do I? Do I try to find some sort of replacement for the for the trade deadline? Like I could I could have gotten more points out of Ryan Tannehill yesterday, John Wolford, Davis Mills. And it's like I get it. Herbert's a QB 15 on the season. He hasn't cleared. He has cleared 15 points just once 
since week five, but he's throwing to total goofballs again. Like we're talking about Josh Palmer. We're talking about kick returners. Like we're talking about Trey McKitty or whatever is like getting snaps after Gerald Everett. Like this is not what we signed up for, but if Mike Williams can get back, if Keenan Allen can get back um, and, and it's sooner than later, like then I think we're, I think we're then we're talking about a much, much different Chargers offense and a much, much different uh, Justin Herbert season as well. Yeah, there's always going to be a couple of random quarterbacks who like, you know, out, outscore your guy like that happens. But it, n- nobody would have guessed that Ryan Tannehill would have done that. You can't plan for Ryan Tannehill to have oh, yeah, you know yeah. a better week than Justin Herbert going forward. Like the right answer a few weeks ago probably would have been Justin Fields. You probably would be rolling with Fields, but there's not one of those out there every week. There's not one of those out there this week. Um like maybe Deshaun Watson is still available to you and perhaps that works out a little bit better than Herbert rest of season, but there's just not that many names that I would prefer to Justin Herbert uh, down the stretch. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. You package Justin Herbert and somebody, nobody's giving you Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen right. Hurts, like, you know, right. so I think you're just kind of, you're kind of living with it. And again, you're hoping that it's a better version. Although I, the, the injuries are one thing, and but I will never not be, frustrated with the amount of quick outs with the amount of short hitches and just you know all of that stuff from the chargers offense it's really frustrating but that is what it is with this team and i don't know that we can really project like anything to change structurally with the offense but at least from an efficiency standpoint like herbert being so buried down there in like you know yards per attempt stuff like that that can change a little bit when the guys actually get back out they just they just don't have like without mike williams without keenan allen they just they just don't have uh like a yards after catch guy right now it ain't it ain't josh palmer um you just got like the best possible game that you're gonna get out of deandre carter you know he caught everything he finished with a touchdown like there's he's He's like an old kick returner. There's, there's not a, there's not a better game to be had there. Um, like Eckler is the one guy who can who can real who can like seriously do things after the catch. You're you're basically down to him. Yeah, and it's like do it all after the catch because you're getting the pass like three yards yeah. behind the line of scrimmage every time. Um, I almost kind of wish they'd sell out. Like that's another thing too. I the Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller thing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I almost kind of wish they'd do more with Eckler, just like line him up in the slot, like have him run like slants out of there or something like that. But um, not my favorite offense in the entire world from a creativity <laughs> standpoint. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. All right. Andy and I are going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll run through all of the waiver guys of the week. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Andy, let's start at running back. Um, Rashad White tops your list. Um, I, I'll let you expand on anything else because I'm sure, like last I checked, he's like 35% rostered in Yahoo Leagues right now, which is just absurdly too low heading into this week and certainly too low now with that we have this Leonard Fournette thing going on. 
Yeah, it tells you how many people are actually like taking the advice that we give here as actionable and serious, right? <laughs> because I feel like he should have been stashed all over the place and he's still eligible for this podcast and he's still eligible for the pickups column. It's kind of humiliating. Like I've been talking about him all year. Um, I, I just want to I just want to emphasize what we what we were discussing earlier, which is that his value is not entirely tied to the health of Leonard Fournette. Um, he got the start in the Seattle game. Again, don't make too big a deal about starting non starting, but it happened um, and he was getting a ton of work before the Fournette injury. He's going to continue to see a bunch of work. He's a good player. Fournette's a good player. They're getting more comfortable. They're clearly getting more comfortable with White. Um, they they complement each other really well. He's a he's a wonderful receiving threat. He was t- like 43 catches last year at Arizona State for like 450 some yards. Um, he is a really gifted receiver. Like he's going to be fun rest of season. I I think it's in play that that he could be more valuable, particularly perhaps in PPR uh, than than for net rest of season. I'm not I'm not sure about that. But again, this this ad for me is not really so much about the health of Lenny. This is this is just about what a what a you know the upside that is present obviously for White. Now there's two other guys that I would say are available in a majority of Yahoo leagues right now who for me are basically sort of in that same tier. And if you're if you're the four win, five win fantasy team that we've talked about and you're just ready to sort of empty the wallet on a guy, um, I would do it for White. I would do it for Isaiah Pacheco and I would do it for Gus Edwards. I think one of the biggest developments that we saw in week 10, just fantasy wise, is the fact that the Chiefs uh, eliminated uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire from the from the three man backfield. Right. He barely played. Didn't really do a thing. It was it was Pacheco on the ground. It was Jarek McKinnon by air. They both they both actually ran a comparable number of routes, but um, McKinnon was the one they threw to. Finished with six catches, eight targets. Um, Pacheco, sixteen carries, over eighty rushing yards. Definitely looks the part. And they overlooked a fumble. Like he put the ball on the ground, and they still leaned on him. Um, great yeah, I was sign. surprised by that. That's great. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like aware of a of a specific injury to Edwards Alaire either. So nope. I think this is just simply a case where they're like, you know what, this guy's been uh, electric. He's been a buzzy player since the summer um, and he's finally up to speed and we're going to we're going to roll with him. You know, there were a handful of weeks there where he was getting the start, but CEH was still playing. Listen, it's the Chiefs offense. He's going to be uh, like one of the primary early down ball carriers. And now now we're only talking about a two man committee. I'm super interested in that. There's a game coming down the road where Pacheco finds the end zone a couple times. Um, he's he's obviously a really interesting ad. I, I would also say if you're in a full PPR league, McKinnon's a pretty interesting ad too. Um, he's yeah. he's on the list. He's just not quite in this tier. The other guy that I would well, let's, consider let me, just... Let me stick on the Chiefs yeah, sure. backfield here just a second. Um, 61.5% of the team rush attempts for Isaiah Pacheco. Um, 16 carries, 82 yards. Let's just say he gets this type of usage going forward you know we'll talk about ceh a little bit later obviously like you said gets completely iced out i don't i don't know that there's any injury either what's the what's like the weekly rank type of ceiling like what 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 could isaiah pacheco become that league winning type could he become a donta foreman right you pick him up off the waiver wire and he's not just starting he's absolutely smashing right like we're talking about the starting running back for the chiefs versus starting running back for the damn panthers like there should be a difference there yeah yeah um and we it's not like theoretical necessarily with Pacheco because we've already seen uh Damian Williams become like a league winning running back that's true uh, in this offense uh not you know exactly it was a different version of the Chiefs offense but hey we're like we're here again the Chiefs are 
Chiefs are giving us 30 points per week, and Pacheco is now a major part of that. Um, and when Williams did that, by the way, a few years ago, like he wasn't he wasn't doing that on like 25 touches a game. <laughs> he was basically getting like a dozen, you know, like 15 touches in a given week and he was scoring twice and like he, he was played about half the snaps and, and it was awesome. Um, and he carried you, he absolutely carried you. So that is the sort of upside that we have for Pacheco. The, the one drawback obviously is that they're not throwing to him. Um, that, you know, if he had, if this were just a straight rotation where, um, he and McKinnon were being used similarly, um, I, I would kind of feel that way about both of them. Um, it is, it, it is definitely a little bit of a ding to Pacheco that he's not, that he's not getting more targets. Um, if, if that were present, if he could just get, you know, two, three, a game would, would make all the difference. Um, but as it is, this is somebody who's a good bet. You know, if he's going to continue to get this usage, he's a good bet to score in any given week. I'm probably going to rank him as an RB two this week. I can imagine finishing the season with him as like a, as like a fringy RB one. He can, uh, he, he can be what JK Dobbins was at the end of his rookie season, right? Where it's, it's maybe it's a dozen touches, 12 to 14 touches a week. And he's always scoring. I can absolutely see that. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, 5.4 targets per route run on the season for Isaiah Pacheco, but 40% of his carries have gone for five plus yards. Like he's given them more pop, um, He's giving more. Pop. He's giving them more pop on his carries. Like you, you've seen it all year. Like even if you're not a Pacheco yeah. bro, and there are some Pacheco bros out there. Um, I said JJ Zacharyson earlier in the show. He's a, he's like the biggest Pacheco bro. He's quote tweeting his tweet from draft night about uh, Pacheco's coming from CH's job. Well, hey, maybe you should maybe you should buy that late round draft guide because uh, it sounds like the Chiefs <laughs> did. <laughs> That's a free pop for him. Uh, before you move on to the rest of your uh, waiver wire guys, Andy. You know, Benjamin just got straight up released right now. Um, like that's that's kind of wild. Uh, Adam Schefter reports a roster surprise. Cardinals have informed Eno Benjamin, who started for them when James Conner was hurt this season, that they are releasing him. Uh, I mean, that's pretty weird. I mean, James Conner, Scott and I talked about, like has surprisingly just gone right back to a workhorse role. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I think. Didn't Benjamin play like one snap or touch the ball like one time in yesterday's game? That's surprising that they're straight up cutting him because, you know, he, he did show something, it did, you know, a couple of times, but like they have Keontae Ingram on the roster. I don't know. That's a weird one. Yeah. Ingram was the name I was going to like. Ingram's look good. Um, hasn't necessarily, you know, in terms of efficiency on the season, it hasn't been great, but, but definitely runs hard. Um, it is a little bit surprising to see this happen, especially when you're, you know, when you're uh, a hypothetical workhorse running back is uh, has the injury history that Connor does. Um, Con like, obviously, Connor had a Connor had a really good game for fantasy purposes. Um, not, you know, kind of his typical uh, 20 some carries for 60 some yards. Right. Like that's going to be it's yeah. going to be who he is more often than not. But two touchdowns, two touchdowns. Um, it was a so it was a, the best game by far that he's had for fantasy this season. Um, a, a little a little wild that you would that you would cut a seemingly reliable back um behind James Conner somebody who's not you know I don't think anybody would argue that James Conner is like in the upper tier or the second tier of of NFL running backs uh he's he's sort of not I think I think he and Benjamin are pretty close in terms of quality um I I would definitely be interested to know what was going on behind the scenes there cuz I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of Benjamin's quality as a as a player yeah, I haven't seen him hanging out in the background of all these clips of Kyler Murray, you know, streaming at DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> or Cliff or I mean, 
Oh my god. I mean, it's one thing with Aaron Rodgers like terrible body language. Um, you know, he's at least won Super Bowls before. I, I mean, god, even yesterday yeah. with Rodgers. <laughs> but like Kyler Murray, come on, man. I mean, I don't know. Enough already. But anyways, uh, the, the Cardinals have said enough already to Eno Benjamin. There's that. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get back to the waiver, guys. Uh, you mentioned Gus Edwards. That's an interesting one. Obviously, um, pretty couple of pretty good matchups here coming up for uh, Gus Edwards if he can get back. Off yeah. The Edwards is the other guy that I can imagine. Just, you know, you've got you've got 30 bucks left to spend. You throw it all at Gus Edwards and hope um, because he's definitely going to come back to a meaningful part of that. That backfield rotation. Kenyon Drake's played well. Um, Drake is almost assuredly not going to go away. The Ravens have traditionally been a team that doesn't, you know, they don't just lean on one guy in the backfield. They, they like to have a, it's been a two man backfield basically forever. And Edwards has been a part of that. And I expect he's going to be part of it again. Uh, his issue was, uh, hamstring, uh, following obviously the ACL, uh, uh, injury that cost him, you know, that cost him a season. But he's like he's coming back. He's got Carolina. Then he's got Jacksonville. Jacksonville, a pretty frisky run defense. But Carolina has certainly been beatable. They're the defense that Joe Mixon blew up against. Um, so it's a great spot to return. Edwards is somebody who needs to be on uh, rosters in. I don't know. He's he should be like somebody should have a place for him in basically any 10 team league, I would think. So Edwards is somebody I would I would hope would get scooped up all over the place. And I think he's actually been the most or the second most added player uh, in Yahoo leagues as we speak uh, today before waivers run, obviously. Makes sense. Uh, again, the last three guys, you mentioned Jarrett McKinnon earlier, Jalen Warren, Charles McDonald's not on the podcast. So maybe you can give us an in-depth breakdown on Jalen <laughs> Warren. And then you've got a token Broncos running back here with Latavius Murray. Yeah. Um, Latavius Murray would be like the, I, like you fail to land anybody else who's widely available in Yahoo leagues. And Latavius is like your fifth claim um, is pretty much the way I would think of him. He's seems like he's steadily going to be uh, out producing, out touching Melvin Gordon. And it's probably not going to matter a whole lot for fantasy, although he does have uh, he does have the Raiders coming up. So uh, a oh, touchdown nice. in that one would not be a huge surprise. Um, Jalen Warren's pretty interesting, except Najee Harris is clearly not going to go away uh, in, unless he gets uh, unless he gets further injured. He had Najee had like a nice enough bounce back game, but um, but Warren's workload was pretty significant and he finished with over 70 scrimmage yards. Um, they're throwing to him. He's seeing the field. So we're like the important takeaway there is that we're not getting the version of Najee that we saw last year where he just basically never came off the field and he was 95 percent of the snaps. Um, Warren is now clearly a part of the plan. Yeah, um, that was obviously a close competitive game with the Andy, the fighting Andy Dalton's there, uh, New Orleans Saints. I don't know how many times we're going to see that with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, right? Um, where Najee's going to be able to get like 20 carries. Um, you know, we've got the Steelers uh, versus the Bengals on Sunday uh, coming up here. Then they've got the Colts, the Falcons, the Ravens, you know, obviously Falcons and Colts. Maybe those are like Najee Harris games, but those could be like the other ones, the Bengals and Ravens, like those could certainly be 15 carries for Najee Harris, no targets. And like Jalen Warren touches the ball, maybe double digit times there. Um, all right, let's move on here uh, to the wide receivers, starting with Christian Watson, man. And I, I'm look, this is, he's certainly going to be an empty the clip candidate. Um, I talked about it earlier my Cooper cup team, like Christian Watson, I see is on the waiver wire. I'm like, I might just have to bite, you know, bite my tongue and do it. Like, right. Uh, just hold my nose and go ahead and, and, make sure I get Christian Watson because this team also lost Rashad Bateman too. Like I, I need help at wide receiver, uh. Uh, despite the fact that the team is really, really good. Uh, Michael Pittman was one of the early draft picks on the team. So it's like, let's, let's think about the Watson thing, man. So where are we at with Christian Watson? 
Yeah. Well, uh, there's no question that we have to that we have to place claims here. Um, there's uh, clearly there's plenty of targets available in Green Bay. They've been they've been waiting for anybody uh, to make a little noise and show a little life all season. So Watson obviously coming off uh, coming off a great day, three touchdowns. It was the full carnival ride of a day that you might get with a healthy Christian Watson. I'll say that. Um, we had drops, we had miscommunications, misunderstandings with Aaron Rodgers. We had conferences with like coaches on the sideline, right? Like he's, he's still very much a developing football player. Um, he also happens to be basically like a superhero level athlete, right? Like four, three yes. wheels, um, six foot five, uh, you know, he's a great leaper. Like he has, he has every physical trait that you could possibly want. He doesn't catch everything that's thrown to him. He's like a, you know, He's like MVS only more so, right? Like all the all the, all the traits that MVS had, uh, all the you know all the disappointing moments that you got from MVS, like that's all here with Christian Watson, and it's it's like a little bit bigger. Um, he also my had comp, a free touchdown my comp game. actually for uh, Christian Watson was Martavis Bryant. I can't remember if I said oh, it on the pod great. with yeah. with Scott last night, but I know I mentioned it in my care don't care recap article that. Um, because I think I get the MBS thing from like a tactical standpoint. You know, you throw him balls down the field. He does have those disappointing moments. But MBS is like kind of stiff, um, whereas Watson is certainly freaky, like in his fluidity and his mm-hmm. ability to bend, stuff like that. He just is really, really raw as a route runner. I think Martavis Bryant, when he was in like peak form, I think Martavis Bryant, might, it, like he plays in this. Does he play in the CFL currently? He did kind of play in the CFL for a he minute. Did. But anyways, yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on there. Um, a lot of stuff. Martavis Bryant, though, like he was a really talented player, but he was not all there technically. But he was like so freaky in those Ben Roethlisberger offenses um, across from Antonio Brown, you know, because he could win on go routes. He could win on deep over routes. He could win on crossing routes. I mean, some of the freakiest stuff that Martavis Bryant did actually was after the catch. And I think Christian Watson has a little bit of that in his um, in his in his bag. He just is obviously the stuff he did against the the Packers was a little bit more deep ball related, but yeah, so I would just, that's my player comp form, which I think along the same, like kind of frustrating um, deep threat uh, that, because, you know, we just never got to see Martavis Bryant fully develop because of all the off the field stuff. Yeah. He's also one of these guys where I don't, I don't even know that we should care so much about the matchups. Um, Cause like <laughs> he's, he's yeah. not, we're not, we're not talking about a technician here necessarily. Um, and I, I, I don't know that like the coverage situation that he was seeing this past week is something that's going to be repeated ever again this season. Obviously no. teams are going to identify, uh, Christian Watson now in ways that they weren't necessarily before he had a blow up game. Um, he's got Tennessee coming up. That has been a relatively friendly matchup. Then he's got Philly, which is a, which is a stay away, you know, n- no way you're touching, uh, no way you're touching him in that one game. And then it's, and then it's Chicago, he's probably going to blow up against Chicago too. That's definitely in play. Um, cause the bears are giving up, you know, wh- whatever you need at this point, And they've kind of given up defensively. So there are some good spots ahead. Um, but, but again, he's not like, he's not even a, He's not a typical receiver in a lot of ways, so I don't like maybe maybe that makes no. him matchup proof in a sense. Um, the most appealing thing about him, outside of the athleticism and the obvious the obvious talent here, the obvious uh, athletic gifts, um, it, is the fact that Aaron Rodgers just has has no reliable receivers and has has essentially had no reliable c- receivers basically all year. And so anybody who shows any signs of life is going to be is going to be relevant to him. So I think he's the pretty clear number one this week. 
he is also a guy where if I had a desperate need of receiver, if I just lost cup, you know, if, you know, I'm going into a bye week that is hellish for me. Yeah. Um, I, I probably empty the wallet for him as well. Um, so that's, that's actually probably four guys this way. Like this is a good waiver wire week. We good don't see this week. very often. Yep. Yeah. Very the other, good waiver week. Yeah. The other guys I had at receiver, um, it's like a, it's like a rogues gallery of people that we've already talked about and we don't need to go in depth on any of them. It's Valdez Scantling, um, who finally scored a touchdown. That was fun. Obviously, Juju goes down with a concussion. Um, Nicole Hardman has an abdominal injury, right? So there are a bun- bunch of injuries in that receiving core right now. So that that is probably going to lead to at least a few more. Yeah, MVS has actually been playing a ton of snaps. Like, he rarely comes off the field. Um, should lead to more opportunities for him. Nico Collins came back from injury and saw 10 targets. That was super exciting. Had a touchdown. Um, super sketchy quarterback. It's not a it's not an ideal situation necessarily, but Nico Collins seeing double digit targets is definitely worth mentioning. Uh Paris Campbell is on this yeah, list. Yeah, oh Jay, Just, you mentioned you can mention Nico Collins. You know this anytime you want to on this podcast, man. I'm I'm I I still am like all the way bought in now that he's playing again. Yeah, um, he's really fun. He's got size. He's he's another contested catch guy. Um, I I feel bad mentioning Paris Campbell, who was very much not one of your guys immediately after (laughs) mentioning Nico Collins, who we've we've had a lot of nice things to say about. But man, another like nine target game for Paris Campbell. It seems like seems like for better or worse, if we're back to Matt Ryan, then Matt Ryan is is going right back to feeding Paris Campbell. Um, that happened this past week. Uh, Darius Slayton, uh, long touchdown. That's kind of what he does. He's probably the most bankable Giants wide receiver if you absolutely have to have one. And then I did throw DeAndre Carter in the list because um, obviously if Keenan Allen does not come back this week and I don't know, maybe we shouldn't bet on Keenan Allen. Um, DeAndre Carter is going to continue to see four to six targets a game. Um, again, I think the game that you just got out of him is about the best he can play. I wouldn't expect more, um, but it was good. It was good. Yeah, I mean, it's been a good bet to bet against Keenan Allen pretty much this entire season. So, you know, it that truly is has. <laughs> um, yeah, but listen, as long as Matt Ryan is out there, Paris Campbell's definitely um, he's definitely in the mix now. That's so it, weird. Well, listen, also, if the Raiders knew how to tackle, we're not having this conversation about Paris Campbell, but the Raiders don't know how to tackle, as evidenced by the fact that they let Matt Ryan have a 39-yard run. 39 (laughs) yards for Matt Ryan. I mean, just one of Did we get his next-gen stats max speed on that run? I didn't get it. I didn't see it. Um, but I, I mean, I need it. It's, it's got to <laughs> be like thirteen. Didn't like Philip Rivers have one a long run at one point? It was like his max speed was eleven <laughs> miles per hour, which is like you know ten miles per hour south of like what Brees Hall does uh, on a slow day or something like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, pretty. My one summer. of my favorite things with Philip Rivers, uh, and this is unrelated to anything we're talking about, is that uh, whenever he would scramble, I always loved to like you know stop the. Um, you know, just just freeze the frame um, at the moment that he began his slides because he would start sliding like 12 yards in front of a defender. It was hilarious. Hell yeah. He, listen, he knows how to have a long career. OK, yeah. uh, you don't you don't just play forever in the NFL by accident. Um, all right. Let's move to quarterbacks here. I mean, this is a this is gross. Yeah, I don't have any good news for you here. Uh, mentioned Deshaun Watson earlier. He's he's like an ad and stash guy. Um, he's probably he's probably the stash guy that I'm going to talk about later in the program too. Uh, uh, you know, like he's the guy with upside. Uh, if you need somebody for a week, Marcus Mariota is about to play Chicago, right? Like that should go well. 
we'll see we'll see what route it it takes to going well like he could do it on the ground he could do it through the air he's probably not going to do both for you but i don't know maybe it's the bears uh, it's probably the best matchup. And the other name here that we probably need to mention, uh, if you're in if you're in a deep league or you're desperate, uh, Carson Wentz is presumably coming back. Uh, we are recording this before the Monday night game. Um, I suppose it's possible that Taylor Heineke has a hero performance and and uh, uh, keeps the job. But I think the plan for now is that Carson Wentz, when he's healthy and eligible to return, which he is next week, uh, he Yuck. will. Uh, and and if he comes back, he's going to get Houston and he's going to get Atlanta. And those are great matchups. And he's got great receivers. Yeah, um, I'm OK. Just like letting everybody blindly know that I'm rooting against Carson Wentz for the Terry McLaurin <laughs> thing. Like I'm okay. Just all integrity. If you like journalistic integrity, LOL, I, I covered like I talk about football and fantasy football. Okay. Give me a break. But like I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for Taylor Heineke to hold this job down. I think that's pretty apparent. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, either one of those guys I do think obviously makes a good start against Houston. Let's move to tight ends where we got another piece of breaking news during this podcast. Zach Ertz, Arizona Cardinals tight end is going to miss the rest of the season. So um, we knew he had a bad injury but he's out which is a bummer because he had been i know he's been a little bit slower since deandre hopkins came back but he's still been like one of the very very few tight ends that you can count on um you have his replacement here trey mcbride who they took in the second round of the draft after extending (laughs) after extending zach earth but we're not here to ascribe reason to the unreasonable arizona cardinals we're just here to try to find some fantasy value with these tight ends and trey mcbride did run the third most routes on the team behind hopkins and Rondell Moore in week 10. Yeah, didn't didn't actually see a lot of action, right? Wasn't exactly peppered with targets. He's a he's a really good player and I I can still sort of channel the frustration uh that I felt when he was drafted by the Cardinals, right? Because I really liked him. And part of the reason that I really liked him is that I sat through an Iowa Colorado State game in which we could not stop him. Like every third down went to Trey McBride and he converted all of them. He, he was a phenomenal college player who I think is a, is a real pro prospect. Um, and he just landed in a spot where he was buried, but now he's unburied. Um, it's, uh, it's terrible news for Zach Ertz. As you say, he was one of the right answers at the position at a position that has very few right answers this year. Um, but I think Trey McBride could get interesting. It's, you know, that requires an investment in a secondary receiver in an offense that is not a lot of fun typically. So he's not he's not like my number one tight end. But I I did already have him on this list because it was apparent that Ertz was going to miss time. It's it's really too bad that Ertz is missing the rest of the season, though. Um, Guys that I like a little bit better than Trey McBride. uh, Foster Moreau obviously caught a touchdown this last week against the Colts. Uh, Juwan Johnson keeps catching touchdowns this is four in four games um you can like i don't know i shouldn't even i shouldn't even talk about Taysom hill as if he's an actual tight end he is not an actual tight end but we're pretty close to dropping Taysom hill and and johnson is scoring all these touchdowns uh and then uh, just a reminder that isaiah likely is out there in a majority of yahoo leagues and even though mark andrews presumably returns uh this week and is presumably getting healthy uh, that team is is just absolutely desperate for receiving assets, and you know, uh, outside of outside of Dever Duvernay and uh, and Andrews, I likely can definitely be the number three. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he can. He should remain a big part of the offense, or at least a sizable part of the offense, even when these guys uh, are are back. Mark Andrews, at least. All right drops here Andy. We both talked about Ceh. Uh, I was talking about it with. Um, Scott and uh last night and I told Lord Podcast our producer John you put go ahead and when you send the outline out to Andy you can go ahead and fill my drop section out <laughs> with CEH 
because that's the guy that we're dropping. I mean, obviously was just completely uninvolved. CEH probably should have been dropped like a long time, like a couple of weeks ago, right? But if he's completely iced out of this backfield, it would take basically a Pacheco injury. Uh, maybe a McKinnon injury maybe would bring him back into like the passing game fold, but he's just never been that much of a pass catcher. So, you know, Pacheco, yeah. if he's going to be the, the lead back on early downs, like, I mean, the days of CEH being startable are long gone. The days of him being on rosters are probably coming to an end as well. Yeah, we're we're getting pretty close to the point in a season where you, you need to think less about, you know, stashing guys in just in case they get an opportunity. Right. So those guys get a little bit more in, less interesting every day uh, as you as you start worrying more and more about like what your what your playoff roster ought to look like. Um, I, I'm probably not holding CH because they haven't you know, he's this is still a complicated backfield. It's a little bit less complicated when it's down to two people. And CH has clearly been the 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 loser in this in this three man competition. Um, I, I don't like I can't imagine what the scenario looks like where he just blows up. Um, and and we were we were talking earlier in the in the year, um, you, you know, when he was having big weeks, like, I don't know how many how many weeks into the season was it where he was like the RB five or RB six. But we were like a month and a half into the season. And he was still up there and he was it was entirely about uh, obviously touchdown scoring, which, hey, it's the Chiefs that can happen. Um but he wasn't he wasn't playing a majority of the snaps, right? Like he was only barely on the field. Um, yeah. So he was he was always a guy who was going to who was going to crash at some point. And now he's just he's just barely playing. And it's not it's not even that like the prospects of, of you know, a, an injury to another player and CEH suddenly getting, I don't know, 40 percent of the snaps again. It's just not that exciting to me. I would I would cut him loose. You asked as well on the, the outline, are we there with Kyle Pitts? I wanted to include a quote here about the uh, Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation from head coach Arthur Smith. Quote, there is no situation. There was never a situation, ever. I don't know where that I – mean, you understand why the question is getting asked. You lose two games in five days. Everybody wants to panic. Um, the quote, the little clip that I used on Twitter, which is where I think this – the the, the the podcast intro. That's Arthur Smith, by the way, talking about Ru- Russian bots. If you haven't figured that out, like the guy has an <laughs> the guy has an extremely cantankerous uh, attitude with the media, a-, a little bit too much so. But that that was a quote, uh, a little presser right into the like beginning of the season. Somebody asked about Desmond Ritter, and the part that I use when people ask me to chart Kyle Pitts is just he goes, he rolls his eyes. He's like, come on, guys, this is brutal. They're asking about Desmond Ritter like leading <laughs> to the season. This is still his <laughs> attitude about Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter must look awful in practice. Right? Because, like, Marcus Mariota was, I mean, Mariota has not been good this year, but man, he was like trying to throw himself out of the starting job on that Thursday night game. Feels like forever ago, but Thursday night games always feel that way. Like once we get into a new week, but man, he was awful in that game. And, but clearly Arthur Smith has given 0.0 earth seconds of consideration to starting his rookie quarterback. (laughs) I, like I understand beyond the you know obviously uh, Kyle Pitts is a is a, a an athletic talent. Um, there's a lot of reasons to like him as a as a long term prospect. But that aside, I I do understand that like you see the target totals and that keeps you attached to to Kyle Pitts as well, right? Like I'm just I'm looking at his game log now and it's eight targets last week, seven the week before, nine targets the week before. Like there's not a lot of tight ends that are getting workload like that, and yet. 
Uh, he's got seven games with uh, fewer than 30 receiving yards, <laughs> right? He yeah. doesn't, obviously yeah. he doesn't have a hundred yard week yet. He doesn't have a 90 yard week yet. And he has seven games with fewer than 30 receiving yards. It's pretty outrageous, um, especially for a player who's not like, we can't be complaining about his opportunity. Like we can complain about the quality of his opportunities, but not the, right. not the actual volume of them. Um, eight, like eight targets is fine. Like if you would have told people at the start of the season, Hey, there's going to be a bunch of like seven target games for Kyle Pitts. You'd be like, cool. Oh, He's definitely were be begging. A we're three. begging for seven targets earlier in the year, you know, when he was barely doing anything, but yeah, I mean the, the, the opportunity has been there. He's the problem is like, he's the team's deep threat. Like uh, they draft Drake yeah, London, yeah, yeah. but they use Drake London on like those quick hitters. Like, so Drake London's problem is targets. Like, but when he gets, tar- when the targets are there for Drake London, he produces pretty much every time because he's like a 10 air yards per target guy. Kyle Pitts, 14.5 air yards per target. That's got to be like one of the highest numbers at the tight end position because they try to stretch the field like in the seams. And it makes sense tactically why they want to use Kyle Pitts that way, but it leads to him being volatile because of the quarterback play. And again, I bring it back to that because for as bad as, um, (laughs) for as bad, (laughs) for as bad as Marcus Mariota has been these last few weeks, when Kyle Pitts has these target numbers, Arthur Smith is giving no thought to changing the quarterback situation (laughs) at all. I mean, he could change his mind on a whim at some point, but I mean, it's just, this is what the offense is going to be this year because Ritter is a third round rookie who the coach clearly is not all that enamored with. And Marcus Mariota is Marcus Mariota. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny. You mentioned the, the average depth of target for, for Kyle Pitts, obviously 14.5 is deep. Um, he also has like, we're, we're, we're accustomed to seeing catch rates for tight ends that are like, you know, 65% and greater. And his catch rate right now is like, is 46%. It's 46.3. Um, which is, which is what you might expect from like the, just the go route guy in a, in a normal mm-hmm. offense, right? Like the, the deep downfield threat, that's what you'd, that that's what you'd expect. But this combination of like the, the shape of the routes that he's running plus who's throwing in the football, it's just, it's just such a dead end situation. Like, I don't know, at least three of the tight ends that I mentioned in the waiver wire, uh, uh, segment, like I, I'm probably going to rank him above Kyle Pitts. I mean, I I think the yeah. safest bet with Kyle Pitts right now is that he's going to finish the week with two catches for 25 yards. That's basically what he does this year. You say that, but he does get the Bears this week. So, <sighs> damn it! All right, hold on for one week. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of hold on, uh, we got a couple hold on loosely candidates. Maybe you put Kyle Pitts in that group now at this point. Um, but your actual nomination here is Keenan Allen. Yeah, we we discussed him a little bit earlier. I was so excited to see Keenan throw down the the hashtag uh, be back soon on Twitter that I was like, oh, yeah, that's my that's my hold on loosely. I need a guy. He's it because um, I because I'm the person who has Keenan Allen sitting on the IR in like nine different leagues. I don't know what it is. It's a lot. I was it's high on Keenan Allen because until the exact moment when he became unreliable, he had been like the most reliable player in fantasy, you know, like five years of a hundred receptions and 1100 yards. He's just metronomically having the same year, year after year, game after game. Uh, and then obviously it all goes to hell, uh, this season, but I am hold and you've given me great hope by, uh, telling me what, uh, uh had to say following the game. That's great news. Um, so at least there's some reason that like, if you've, if you've held Keenan Allen all this time, just just give it another week or so. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm still willing to keep Michael Gallup on the end of benches. Like, I don't think he's a guy that I'm like rushing to start or anything like that. But 
I mean, I think what we forget about with Michael Gallup, like with all this talk that Odo Beckham, you know, might come to the come to the Cowboys. Give me give me a second on that one. But like, you know, Michael Gallup tore his ACL so late, like it was in January, right, where Michael Gallup tore his ACL um, to the point now that like Chris Godwin even said coming into this this Munich game, this is the I'm just now starting to feel right coming out of the ACL. And that lines up with what a guy like Edwin Porras says uh, about the ACL tears. It like. Nine months is usually when we see guys get back to form. Even if they're back on the field, like from a production standpoint, nine months is usually when we start to see it. And Godwin was a November ACL tear. Um, so we could start. To, and, and obviously, he was a guy that was averaging like three air yards per target. He's back up to eight in this game against the Seahawks. You know, he gets 71 yards. He gets a touchdown. Like, I think I think that Chris Godwin against the Seahawks, that was the first time I thought like, well, yeah, that looks like Chris Godwin, right? Like he's actually yeah. doing some stuff that's not just like getting little dinky screens and stuff like that. So I, I Gallup's a tough guy to hold. Like, again, I, do, is, is he a must hold? I don't know. But there's still so much opportunity in this offense right now. And I, I think that Gallup could be a guy that later in December, something like that, he might be a player that is a little bit more like himself, although he might be more of a 2023 guy. And just on the Odo Beckham thing, I maintain that what's going to happen is he's not going to sign with the Cowboys and he's going to be at a presser for another team. And he's going to say, I, I never even heard from the Cowboys. That's just Jerry trying to drum up interest <laughs> for his team. I, it, I just, I feel it in my soul. I feel it. Well, I mean, he's also a guy that has the, you know, an even more extreme ACL recovery timeline, right? Like he, he injured himself in the, in the Super Bowl. Damn so Bowl, yeah. we've, yeah, we've talked about Beckham. Like, I just, I continue to think that there's, there's almost, there's almost no way that you can have serious plans for him in December and in any t- there's a reason that all the teams that have been linked to him are teams that are expecting to make the playoffs and to hopefully make deep runs right and they're thinking about what they might be able to get out of Beckham in January they're not thinking about like what he's going to do for the for the team in like week 13 i i very much doubt that that happens yeah uh for sure there all right Let's talk about our getting in early guys. You mentioned Deshaun Watson earlier. He is your player here. I definitely think he, if he's still out there, you know, he's got to be added at this point. Yeah, he's um, he's still out there in like sixty five percent of Yahoo leagues as we enter, you know, the the waiver run uh, heading into week eleven. Um, and I I get that there's going to be a certain percentage of fantasy managers that are like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and try to win this thing without Deshaun Watson. I totally get it. Um, he's just he's probably like you, you you know we went through the the recommended waiver ads at quarterback this week and it's not great, right? Like they're like one week matchup based plays. Deshaun is probably the the one guy hanging out there in most leagues um, who is a who is a serious uh, obviously the last time we saw him you know he led the league in in passing yardage right like he's a guy who could finish up in the in a in the final weeks of the season as a you know top five top eight fantasy QB like he can be a difference maker yeah definitely Uh, my guy is Isaiah Spiller you know who outsnapped Sony Mm. Michelle for the second straight week I definitely think that at this point uh, he's the number two back there which just means he's a guy to you know if you're into stashing and you you have one of those great teams where you're set on backups at every position your roster set at every position you don't have any more bye weeks like I think Isaiah Spiller's a guy to just stick on the end of your bench Uh, I'll definitely pick Austin's brain about Isaiah Spiller tomorrow but Andy it's time to get to the segment that America loves the Treviso Babes update uh, I I told you I had a, a 40 minute Q&A session with my mom and her <laughs> friends um, I actually saw my mom in real life this weekend um, man she's she's like I mean watching fantasy we're watching football with her now she's like she's like every troll on the internet like 10 minutes into the game 10 seconds into the game she's like why doesn't Mike Evans have 30 fantasy points yet I'm like oh we're <laughs> 
we're in the first, that's the first drive of the game. Okay. Relax. And then she's like, I don't want to play Amon Ross St. Brown because he hasn't done anything for me. And I'm like, I don't know. I like Amon Ross St. Brown. I should have been more forceful with it, I guess. She'd have been like, Mom, you should go ahead and play on Amon Ross St. Brown because she pissed at me about that now, too. So, um, great if stuff there's there. one thing that makes me know that a guy is going to blow up in the second half of a football game, it's getting it's getting that like first half tweet from somebody that's like, what happened to Amon Ross St. Brown? Did he retire? Did they forget? You know, did they forget he's on the rot? Like the people who complain in the first quarter, I don't know. Maybe they just do it as a reverse jinx. But whenever I see that, like the guy just always goes off in the second half. Yeah, well, Mike Evans didn't go off in the second half. I would have appreciated a <laughs> touchdown to rub it in my mom's face, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Anyways, the Treviso Babes, um, dude, I mean, they they could be a reality show. They're, that that was a hoot. The 40-minute Q&A was a hoot. The biggest takeaway is Julie wants me to let you know that Evan Ingram sucks. <laughs> it's fair. Kidding. It's fair. I don't have a, I don't have a counter. <laughs> She's like, uh, she says, I got to, you know, because basically what my mom did was let them all go around the room and ask ask a question <laughs> i mean quite a thing um ask it was fun i had a, i did really legitimately have a blast they're a hoot they're they all want to like chip. my mom's like maybe we all chip in 50 bucks and fly you down here for a playoff game I'm like or i could just go visit my mother i don't know one of the two um but you know basically the biggest thing was the was the was the evan ingram one um, you know, she's like, I, I listened to you guys and you said Deion Jackson was a good pickup and you said Evan Ingram was a good pickup. And I was like, listen, Deion Jackson got hurt. So put that aside. Evan Ingram, that's all Andy. Okay. If <laughs> DJ Moore is my guy. Evan Ingram is your guy. You talk about him every week, bro. I feel like, I feel like Austin should do a 40 minute sesh with, uh, the Treviso babes. Can we arrange it? I, let me tell you what, I don't know what his contract looks like, but I guarantee you we're not paying him enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the biggest thing I do have to report, and because after this Q&A, there were no outrageous drops. I mean, the biggest biggest name drop was A.J. Dillon. But it's like, OK, I mean, I could I, I could see that. That's I'm, not a big I'm thing. tempted. Yeah. Yeah, we all we all get it. Um, but there we did get our first trade in this league, Andy, our very first yeah. trade. But it was I told you uh, t- our girl Tammy dropped Patrick Mahomes. Right. I mentioned that on the last podcast. Pretty outrageous. Apparently. Apparently she was getting her hair done. My mom sent me the picture of her dropping Mahomes while she was at a hair appointment. I don't know what happened. Put that aside. So Tammy drops Mahomes. Julie picks up Patrick Mahomes. Tammy picks up Tom Brady, who Julie dropped to pick up Patrick Mahomes. But because Julie is such a nice person, she traded Brady back or she, she traded Mahomes back to Tammy for (laughs) Tom Brady, that is now officially the only trade in the Treviso Babes League. Julie doing Tammy a solid, giving Mahomes back to her wow. and taking back Brady. So shout out to you, Julie. Um, the hair appointment went well. Looks looks great. Everything looking good. Oh, I mean, she looked fantastic on the on the Zoom call. Good. I mean, she's yeah, glad to hear it. Looking, look, I mean, she looks like a real Treviso babe. That's for sure. <laughs> so they basically just view trades as a way to undo unfortunate uh, ad drops. That's 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 all we're doing here. I I would like to see a real trade in this league. I'm yeah, come on, like the deadline is coming up. We need a real trade. And by the way, like they they all listen to the show. Apparently, I mean, they all like listen to not just this episode where we talk about them, like. Uh, a couple of the other folks were, were ready and willing with the examples of, of other things in the league. So, I mean, listen, it, 
we got we, we shout out to the Treviso Babes, my mom's fantasy football league. They are, even if it's they are just like fans. ceremonial, even if it's just like kicker for kicker, something like that. I want I want like an authentic trade to go down in this league because this is a league where like they all know each other, they all talk. Um, you know, I, I we're all in fantasy leagues where we feel kind of isolated. Like I don't really know any you know industry league. I don't really know these guys. I'm not chatting oh, yeah. them up all the time, but these ladies are like getting together. Um, there's there's really no excuse for the fact that we haven't already had like a dozen trades in this thing. I know. Let's get some. Let's get some more trades going. I at least I had I had to explain a few like logistics with the app. Uh, as much as I can help, I don't even know. I don't. I, this it does seem to be a constant theme that my mom needs to remind them is that I'm not both podcasting and also tinkering with the back end of the app, <laughs> writing um, the code. I'm not the also yeah. writing the code, and and I. <laughs> what do the five stars mean? I don't know. I don't. I don't write the damn app. Uh, <laughs> I'm not in there doing the projections. I can't tell you. You only have a 45% chance to win, and then you don't win. What? I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know what any of this stuff means. So anyways, but beyond those questions, I think I did have to explain how trades work. So hopefully we see a few more trades. Any any of you, the Treviso babes, if, if any of you are listening uh, this deep into the podcast, I, I'm sure you are to hear your, hear your section here. Please, we're begging you. Andy and I are begging you for a few more trades. Begging. All right, gotta that is going to do it. It's got to happen. All right, that is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And for God's sakes, follow at Yahoo Fantasy so you can see them retweet all of our good tweets. You can see them take the L on the Kirk Cousins L chain. Shout out to Trevor. He's back and he's just, you know, getting, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was great stuff. There. That was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, all right. Austin Eckler will be back with me tomorrow for another awesome episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then, we're out.